This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse. Hi, I'm Paul. Hi, I'm Marissa. And today we're talking about The Crack in Space by Philip K. Dick, a 1966 novel that uh, I think is pretty terrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, but uh, there's some aspects in it that I really like, and it's incredibly relevant, I think, even today, um, to American politics anyways. And there's also some really funny lines here and there, which uh, for me makes it worth it. Reading Philip K. Dick makes me laugh. Yeah, it was a so funny hard. one. It's the lighter side of Philip K. Dick, again. Yeah, but I, I, I'm not sure what the point of all that politics, the politicking going on is, because I don't think he's particularly, I mean, he's not really terrible at it, but at the, right at the end, you know, Jim Briskins won the election, and and it, it seems like it's not, <laughs> yeah, there's Secret Service men there, but they act just like, you know, a bunch of stoners going out for a dinner party or something. <laughs> they don't sound like, uh, you know, political sophisticates very much anyways. Yeah. If we're starting, if we're going straight to the ending, I, sure. <laughs> I thought that at the end it was almost like Philip K. Dick had kind of got sick of his own story and his character's head as well. And they were just kind of like, ah, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, there are precedents before the story. There was a novella called Canada 140, which is referenced in the text here. Um, Johann Sebastian Bach's uh, Sleepers Awake, which I think is also, I mean, there are some philo- uh, not, not exclusive Philip K. Dick themes in here. Uh, that's the title of a novel by H.G. Wells, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and a very good one. Very good novel. And there's also a ton of early SF uses this trope of sending people into the future. We're just seeing it from the wrong end, kind of, of of that, you know, time, mass time travel, or at least time travel into the future by by uh, putting people to sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also thought, I thought there was some, even though I think he's very poor at doing political intrigue as compared to, you know, like House of Cards or something like that. He's very good at thinking or sort of linking up into what America is really about because it, this is a book about racism and, and, and class. Also, I think he almost touches on class a little bit. Yeah. But I mean, what what I also liked about it was he throws us in right at the beginning. I have no idea what's going on, right? There's the Culls and the Jerrys and the Bibs. And I'm like, who the hell are these people? <laughs> what the hell? I still don't know what a Bib is other than, you know, what? why are they called Bibs? I don't know. Yeah, so anyone who gets put into, into this frozen sleep is a Bib, right? Or right. were they Bibs before that? No, I think they're bibs, and most bibs are culls. <laughs> yeah, they're like all the poor minorities are just yeah. put to sleep. Uh, Colors. That's what culls stands for. Colors. Right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Non-white people. Yeah. Um, and I thought uh, at first I thought Jerry's might be um, just all white people, but it's 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 the aged whites, right? Yeah, and hasn't he used that before? It's like 
geriatrics or is that Heinlein that uses it? I can't remember now. They both do. Oh, okay. but, um, there's certainly some uh, other themes that Dick has touched on before. I mean, this is a very political book. It reminded me of some of his other political books. It reminded me of um, the one where he goes, they go back in time, uh, Dr. Futurity, right? Right. Like back in time and uh, they're colonizing the new world. There's that. There's a whole whole lot of resonances, but I, I think as a whole, the book just doesn't, I mean, it's really just two books smushed together. Yeah. Making a lot of sense. I definitely, like when I got to the end, I was like, well, that was a funny two books. Like, oh. <laughs> this is like two totally different stories. What kept, what kept me entertained throughout throughout the book as well is trying to keep, to tie in all the other books I could think of that that worked on this theme, both inside of Dick and out of it. Um, for example, Isaac Asimov has a story called Living Space, which is in in this world, the Earth is a bit overpopulated, so they basically have people colonize alternate Earths, which are ostensibly empty. So you can be, you can own your entire empty Earth. You're the only house on it, and that's great until they. They colonize so many parallel worlds that they start running into other Earths that are doing the same thing, and they have to deal with that. That I, I seem to rec- I seem to recall the person they run into is a basically a Nazi, a Nazi colonizing Earth that's rampaging mm-hmm. around and colonizing worlds, and they wind up colonizing the same world. And I believe the ending of the story, spoiler, is that they finally that they, they figure out, well, if we're colonizing all these worlds, we're eventually going to hit something really weird. And they do. They hit a world where aliens come to visit. And it's like, oh, crap, now what do we do? So Yeah, it's got a cute little ending. Yeah, it's a cute little ending. So um, the sleepers, I that. It's, I I was I was more recently uh, reminded of a more recent novel, not just classic science fiction by um uh, called Lockstep by Carl Schrader. Have either of you read it? No. I I've heard about it, but I have not read it. No. Um, in in Lockstep, the mankind's kind of spreading out through the solar system and into the Oort cloud and beyond, but resources there are relatively limited. So they've come up with this method of of hoarding their resources by only being active for short periods of time, followed by long periods of of uh, sleep. So it's like, okay, you have a couple months and then you have like 10 years of, of sleep and then up oh, a couple months awake again. So you can, you can live right. with the limited research. But as a result, these, these civilizations, because it winds up being whole, whole, uh, colonies and, uh, and what cloud objects wind up moving forward through time in a way, because you have all these other civilizations rising and falling as they spend they have very limited time to actually be awake while all these things are all happening around them. So 10,000 years can pass in a couple of years for the, for these uh, long-term civilizations. So it is a way of going forward into the future. And that conflict between civilizations that are people that are living for the future and those who are living short periods. So you have the, you have the, all these coals stacked up in warehouses waiting for, waiting for a future that, until until the, we get the crack, never seems ever is going to come to come to fruition. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that book sounds a bit like uh, a societal version of the Forever War. Mm. Instead of having you know just one one you know 
platoon or of dudes uh, being starstruck as to the changes in society while they've been gone. This is like the whole society is ad- heading in that direction. Yeah. While other societies are rising and falling. Yeah. Well, it, it really has that sense of deep time and that sort mm. of disconnection between what's happening with yours and what's happening with everything else because of so far forward in the future you're going. That the, the forever is a very good, very good uh, tie in there, Jesse. Yeah. Well, what do you think? What do you think about the beginning of this book? Because I, I, I was thinking about. Uh, I'll just read the first two paragraphs. I think it's hilarious because I think it, it would get a lot of people mad today, <laughs> because it's a racist. But I don't think it's as racist as it sounds. So it says it starts. The young couple, black haired, dark skinned, probably Mexican or Puerto Rican, stood nervously at Herb Blackmore's counter, and the boy, the husband, said in a low voice, "Sir, we want to be put to sleep. We want to become bibs." Rising from his desk, Blackmore walked to the counter, and although he did not like Coles, there seemed to be more of them every month coming into his Oakland branch office of the U.S. Department of Special Public Welfare. He said in a pleasant tone of voice, designed to reassure the two of them. Have you thought this carefully over, folks? It's a big step. You might be out for, say, a few hundred years. Have you shot for any professional advice about this? <laughs> and then he recommends they get an abortion. <laughs> yeah. it, 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 yes, it's like, oh, yeah, we're going to have a baby, and that's that's the problem. But it's, it sounds like, yeah, the, the baby's going to basically uh, ruin their uh, social prospects. Well, they, they're jobless, right? right? They don't have a car. Uh, a wheel is a car, I'm pretty sure. Um, they don't have a car. They're jobless. He's on a, a military pension, but apparently your pension gets cut off if you have a baby. Right, which um, is the I reverse think, of, I, the, of, of, of real life. Yeah, <laughs> it, but it seems to be like, yeah, there is a population problem, but it seems to me like that it's an un, like an unemployment problem, right? Is, is what it – although it says – you know, the, there's indications that there's a population problem. It seems like this is more of a U.S. thing than it is a uh, global thing. Again, the United States sort of stands in for the entire Earth. Again. In a yeah. Philip K. Dick book, yeah. But it, given that there's all these unemployed uh, colored people, right? And there's all these Jerry's who are 150-year-old, uh, you know, people never quit their jobs, right? Mm-hmm. It seems to be like a economics sort of issue that I think is even more relevant probably than it was in the 60s. Uh, oh, it's very but, relevant to today. Uh, yeah, I mean, just the the election seems almost like <laughs> this latest election. But um, <laughs> I'm thinking one of the things that comes up, and I was thinking about it even before the actual crack in space happens, uh, is that other countries – have had this problem in the past in history right england had this problem they have like all these unemployed people who used to live on you know land getting kicked off their land and they just got to find some place to some way to deal with these people there's just too many poor people with no jobs and how did they solve it they sent them to canada and then they sent them to australia new zealand right they sent them to south africa they just got rid of them. Mm-hmm. That's how they solved their, their economic issues. And that's not really a reality for us today, right? You can't We don't have that frontier. Yeah, if you're if you're an American and you're jobless, what are your options? 
where are you going to go? I mean, if you're a, a jobless person in another country, right, you could say, you know, what I really could use is to go to the United States. There I could find my, you know, and they could get a job and become successful. And it seems to be that that's a thing. But for Americans themselves, I don't think there's a way to escape that to unless there is like a crack in space, because it, I think he really sort of nailed the economics in. I, so I don't know how he did it because it's so clunky. <laughs> but I think he's really nailed economic problems of the early 20th, 21st century in this, this very yeah. Yeah, clunky 1966 novel. Huh. What do you guys it, think about that? It's that weird, it's that weird sort of quasi funhouse mirror prescience that Dick has throughout all of his novels. He sees the future. He's a prophet for the future, but it's not quite the future you expect. And it's not, and it comes years later and in a way you don't quite expect, but he does kind of see through, through a, a scanner darkly of, of the, <laughs> I, I know there I go layering and all the time, all, all the references. He, he does seem to, to do that. It's like, like, yeah, he's, he's looking at, I mean, cause he's got, he's got this white versus black election and these aging whites that, Okay, the Trump supporters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there, there, there's clean, right? The evil, uh, racist organization backing one of the presidential candidates. Yeah, the Tea Party, as, as you as you tweet, had tweeted or, out to us. Yeah, or the KKK, right? I mean, backing Trump. Yeah, um, yeah it felt wow. more like that to me. It was like just a – because they didn't really come back into it again, right? It was just for a couple of chapters, that mm-hmm. super racist – organization yeah, yeah. and then it kind of doesn't really make a lot of sense yeah <laughs> it, it's a it's a usual dick dropping something in and stirring the pot with it and then forgetting about it later yeah it, although i think it, one of the ways it did sort of pay off in an interesting way there was a few lines about what, once they've discovered this other race on this other planet the the peaks right right uh, i love it the peaks the calls the the bibs yeah <laughs> well this is that that's one thing he's very good at is you know sort of setting you up in a future that makes no sense except to the people who live there right and to us we're just looking in on that window but when the peak when they've discovered the peaks and they realize you know that they've got brow ridges that, uh, that you know and sloping foreheads they're a different species right mm-hmm. that puts the racism of you know common day everyday american you know contempt for colored people and their poor poorness and their accents right that just wipes out the difference when you've got a actual different species you know the color of somebody's skin their eye or eye color as it's mentioned in this in the novel um doesn't really make as big a difference especially when you're about to do a genocide yeah and he even he even puts that in and right at the end of the i think it's in like the last paragraph somewhere where it's kind of like and the moral of the story is and he he like pretty much basically just outlines it like that like you know superficial differences don't mean anything Mm -hmm. and i I also like that at the end um (laughs) even though this bill smith walks into the room like that's what i was saying about you know sort of a bunch of stoners (laughs) (laughs) because Bill Smith is outside, apparently just outside the room where the, the president-elect is. And the Secret Service don't know that. It's like they start, you know, drawing their guns. Like suddenly he's he's stepped through a wall. He hasn't stepped through the wall. He's just outside. Yeah. 
They think he's got psychic powers. No, he's just another guy standing out there, right? I also um, I love that they bring this Peking man uh, back from time and give him the name, the most generic. <laughs> well, well, the translator does. They don't give it. Yeah. to The translator, the, yeah, the yeah. one that yeah. translator gives it to him, which is even more uh-huh. hilarious. <laughs> yeah. And they even they even say that like, what the heck? Well, what the translator gives this generic name? Well, at the end though, he, Bill Smith comes in. Right. And they, they say, well, let's bring him to the party. Right. And they said, you know, if it wasn't for this Bill Smith guy and even even though he is here, it's it's as if this this whole incident will fade out of reality. Right. Yeah. That we're not even going to remember any of this this alternate Earth stuff in a couple days. And you know what? That kind of I mean, it's crazy, but also kind of rings true in that whatever political scandal is happening right this week. Everybody forgets about it in a month, right? Yeah, because there's true. a new political scandal or you know incident, and shame to the nation or whatever it is. <laughs> it doesn't really matter because it nothing came of it, right? Right. That's the and and I think that's part of the problem of the novel too is that nothing comes of it, right? Like they have this whole incident with and I mean there's a lot of sort of reveals that are sort of clunkily done. And then ultimately they just close the gate. Everybody comes back and they still have all the problems they had before. Right. Uh, The the bits aren't all are, aren't all back, uh, you know, in full employment, you know, building. Uh, I mean, they, they talk a little bit about terraforming, but yeah, they talk about your, yeah, Uranus, like how you get terraform Uranus. Right. Right. So, but, but I, I mean, there are things he could have picked up on because th- there's intimations that, okay, so if this shifty scuttler failed and opened up to this earth, then there might be other earths. I mean, they, they could theoretically try to duplicate that crack in space and find an earth that isn't dominated by peaks or anything else. And that's where, that's where all, all the uh, bibs can go because now what are they all going to do? Have all the bibs go back to sleep? It's, it, it's a, He's left this gigantic problem left over once everyone comes, everyone who survived comes back through the crack and like, okay, what do you do now? And it's like, oh, well, and, and he, and he just, he misses it in, uh, in, uh, two lines. It was going to be a difficult four years. He could see that four more likely eight, the way things turned out, he's proved correct. What does that mean? Okay. So he gets eight <laughs> years. Well, what happened? It's like, are you sick of this story? I mean, yeah, this is a, another Jim crack sort of, We'll stick 6,000 different things into this world, sort of Phil Cape Dick, which frustrates me and I love all at the same time. But okay, now what are they going to do? Are they going to try to find another crack in space? Are everyone going to go back to sleep? We still have, as you said, Jesse, these basic, basic problems. And we still have that, we still have that mutant peak. Is, are they going to, is he going to bring the peaks back? Because he can apparently go through space and time without the crack. It's it's pretty it's a pretty crazy. <laughs> I mean, uh, you you notice that even even the space brothel it comes back right. They, they even bring the space bo- brothel back online after yep. taking it down right. So it's it's like everybody hit the reset button like a Star end. Trek episode. Yeah. Um. Now, there there are two. Um. Well, there's four attempts to tell this story right. There's the original 1953 short story called prominent author which is entirely 
the plot is entirely explained, not incorporated, explained into a very early chapter, maybe chapter two or three, uh-huh. where they just say, oh, there was this guy and he he was working on a Jiffy Scuttler. I think that's what they're called. Um, and uh, he found that there was a, a thin spot or a crack in the wall and there was these tiny people and he started communicating with them using the, the, the uh, high-tech technology translation programs at Terran Development, the same company, right? Um, turns out that they, they thought he was God, and he, he translated their works for them and, and wrote them back. Oh, they asked him questions on pieces, little pieces of paper, and he answer, answered them, and he wrote the Bible, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, ah, 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 And at the end of Prominent Author, there's a cute little scene where um, the guy's out of work, right? He, he's taken home his copy of the Bible that they found in the archives. And uh, um, he got fired from his job or whatever. And the wife's best friend comes over, and her name is Mary. <laughs> and <Again>. she said, <laughs> yeah, and she, he says to her, um, I'm thinking of writing a sequel. <laughs> because Mary, get it? He, he wrote, he was the oh, old Oh, did he say right. that in there? That's yeah, funny. it's so cute. I just got the second <laughs> time. I bet. Wow. Oh, oh, that's a cute little bit. Um, but <laughs> he's his wife treats him like he's insane or like he's pathetic, right? But he's really proud of his book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I mean, it is. A, I mean, it is a very funny joke that prominent author. Who, who's the most prominent author? It's not Philip K. Dick. <laughs> I've sold the most books ever. Oh, right. God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cute little joke. And that story works as it is. Then he writes uh, two little stories that have uh, Jim. One has a Jim Briskin or almost Jim Briskin in it, uh, who is. And I, I thought this was really good. And I think we should start using this term. His he was a news clown. Yeah. Right. That's... They called him a news clown in these books, and I was like, what the hell's that? But I was thinking about it, and reading the descriptions of those two short stories, uh, one's called Standby, which is, you know, standby for this, after these messages or whatever, right? It's a TV show sort of thing. And um, the other one is, what will we do with Raglan Park? Now, those two sh- short stories, as far as I can tell, basically are set in this world, but don't impact the plot at all. It's sort of just background for this novel. But they're sort of, you know, they've each got their own little unique, you know, interesting SFF idea in them. But we get more about what being a news clown is. But in interesting and Raglan Park, by the way, is not a place. It's a person who can who can uh, tell the future by singing a song. He makes whatever song he sings happens jim briskin gets out of jail or something oh, weird. Because, yeah it's weird anyways um i was thinking news clown we actually didn't have those in the 60s but we do have them now right there's the daily show guys there's the colbert oh, right yeah. there's bill maher right these these are news clowns right they are people whose job it is to make fun of the news and yeah so that's what but, Jim Briskin was before. Well, that's what he's called. Yeah, he yeah. was a call. Well, yeah, news I, clown. It just seemed like a humorist to me. So I think they just—it's like a newsman. Yep, I, I yeah. got a quote. Okay, yeah. 
I, I now have five minutes, Briskin said woodenly. He gathered up the pages of Phil Danville's speech and returned them to his inside coat pouch. He still wore a formal dark suit, even in hot weather. That and a flaming red wig had been his trademark back in the days when he had telecast as a TV news clown. <laughs> so, so, so I'm trying to imagine this black guy wearing this flaming red wig and a suit. is like, okay, there's... Reading the news. Reading the news. But is, again, as, as you said, Jesse, how different is that really than... Uh, the Colbert Report, where you where you have not, a, really. not really nothing not really. again. Yeah. Maybe choose the future. Maybe Philip K. Dick did have that crack in space where he could. He's coming to have a little look. <laughs> yeah, there there is um one other funny thing that um I was reading on the Philip K. Dick fan page notes about this where they have little quotes about you know what Philip K. Dick said in letters mm-hmm. about each of his stories. And uh, this is this this novel is supposed to be called Canada 140, um, but of course uh, Ace Books changed. Right, but when uh, Glance reissued it, that they, they gave it the original title in Britain. Right, um, uh, but when Ace Books changed the title, they changed it, um, uh, and uh, apparently the editor, one of the sub editors or something. Uh, uh, read that the, the title had been changed and he ran to the, 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 I think Don Congdon, I think, uh, anyways, the ace editor went up to his boss and he says, you know, um, maybe this isn't the greatest title. And he says, because, but they're already printing the book, I guess. <laughs> and he says, it's a double entendre. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh yeah. <laughs> What do you get in space? Sex in space, right? Oh, and yeah, with the brothel in space. The golden yep. door, right? Uh-huh. It's like, what the hell does this have to do with anything? I mean, why is that even in the book? It's oh, just. But it's so good. It's like my favorite thing in the book. No, <laughs> what's just the brothel? So yeah. Yeah, it's hilarious. It's but so funny. Like, it's also very American. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's like, you get the United States. Uh-huh. They hate sex and they love it. Go ahead. Gotta condemn it. <laughs> and, and, and threaten and threaten to ban it, but in the meantime, yep, the, the satellites doing doing this thing and just, and any taxi has a uh, Earth to orbit capability apparently to take you there. Which is really neat and well, yeah, where is our where is our where is our flying car that can take us to a brothel in space, huh? And not just yeah. a brothel in space, but a brothel that looks like a giant breast with a pink nipple <laughs> <laughs> location right. device. I'm like, I knew that Philip K. Dick was a boob man, but I never thought we'd get to the point yeah, where there's going to be like a giant boob in space <laughs> you can land on. <laughs> well, yeah. I kind and of... they do TV ads too. That's the other thing, right? <laughs> is is we see um, the Miss Madam on TV uh, giving this ad yeah. and, and one of the one of the characters is looking at her and say, "God, she's still sexy." And it, it sounds like she's a Jerry, right? She's really old, but she's had lots of uh, work done fixes. I mean, well, this this novel really has no coherence because we we have that. I I guess the first half is what's the mystery of how this doctor is getting all his his uh, organs. Oh well, I figured that out basically instantly, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not much of a mystery. When it finally revealed, I'm like, okay, and where did that go? Yeah, nothing came of that, right? Right, and that reminds me of a uh, of a Doctor Who episode. Which one? Um, Resurrection of the 
revelation of the Dalek. It's a revelation of resurrection of the Daleks. It's a it's a six doctor it's a six doctor episode where the doctor lands on a uh, on a um, basically a planet where people are are held in kind of suspended animation awaiting cures, mm-hmm. and it turns out. And he, because he's heard that is that is uh, his friend has died, so he goes there to go basically go see him. And it turns out Davros, you know who Davros is. Hmm. Mm-hmm. It turns out da- Davros is taking the bodies and converting them into Daleks. Okay. Oh, and, yeah. and, 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 and in addition to that, not only that, he's also taking that and he's taking bodies and he's turning them to food. And, right, and, but nobody knows that, and and Davros says, "Well, yeah, I was going to tell you because we would have what you call consumer resistance." It's like, oh god, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's uh, that's why I like the old Doctor Who's. They had a lot of sort of, but I mean, I think we see that right in the very first scene. With like, are you sure you want to do this? Even the guy who's oh, it's, you know, it's Revelation, not pretty... Resurrection. Resurrection is a different Doctor Who episode. Yeah, okay. but you've got the you've got that sense that you know being a bib is not a good choice. No, you you you're putting your life in the hands of others. But that also reminds me of uh, here I go here. As I said, this this move this uh this up ep- this uh book ties into lots of lots of stuff throughout. Uh, so either you ever see the movie Vanilla Sky? Yes, yeah. that's the one. Is that the Tom Cruise? That's the Tom one? Cruise. Okay, so spoiler spoilers for everybody. So, t- so Tom Cruise is in a tank, dreaming all this stuff, right? That we see throughout the movie. And yeah, there's a Spanish original for that right. too, called um, "Abre los Hoyos." Right. Open your eyes, right? Yep. So, so yeah, he has the choice of going back into the tank or waking up, and yeah, the choice is obvious. You don't mm-hmm. see you want to stay in the tank. You have no idea. You're at the mercy of other forces. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I, so the coals might want to go under to uh, because of bad economics. But yeah, why wouldn't they want to get woken up and go to another planet? Because at least you have a chance at at uh, autonomy and uh, being able to do something with yourself rather than sitting in a tank, uh, sleeping and possibly dreaming. Who knows? Did you guys notice that the the names of the two political parties? One was like the the Republican Democrats or something like that, and the other oh, one is yeah, like the liberal Republicans. The, yeah, the liberal Republicans and the conservative socialists yeah. or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you know, we we've seen those two parties recently. Um, yeah, it it's um it is it is like a funhouse mirror of the United States. Um, it it doesn't have any kind anything like a reasonably logical plot that flows properly. But even though I would say this is possibly the worst book we've read by him. Oh, I don't know about that. If not the worst <laughs> book we've read by him, um, it's I still liked it. I still enjoyed it. I just don't think it's you know the book to start with. Yeah, no. it was well, still it was fun to read, definitely. Yeah. Which one? Which one would you say is worse than this, Paul? Oh, uh, put me on the spot here. Let me get biography and uh, let's see. Uh, <laughs> it's it's got good r- reviews on uh I mean it's surprising it's got 3.4 stars on Goodreads with thousands of uh 1754 ratings that's that's pretty high for a pretty crappy book yeah. but I think it's because it's it's 
it is full of lots of ideas. Yeah, and, and lots of humor. Yeah, it, uh, there's lots of funny bits, but the characters don't really work, I don't think. I, I didn't find myself obsessed with any of the characters. The mm-hmm. uh, only guys I really liked were the the Peaks. I thought they were hilarious. I, I was kind of enjoying, um, what's the, uh, is it George, George Walt? The, uh, the yeah. weird... Siamese twin half right. similar Yeah, he was really the wind god. He was entertaining. I wish there'd been a bit more about him or from his point of view or it just seemed like one of those yeah, random sort of players that you would find in American politics. He's like a, <laughs> he's like a, a libertarian or something. Uh-huh. <laughs> he doesn't fit the mold of the other guys. Oh, he's, but. he's yeah. definitely yeah, he's definitely a libertarian and hiding the fact that he's no longer a Siamese Siamese twin. That's it's just like that's that's it's Ron Paul or something, yeah. Yeah, that's stick for you. Let's throw ran, like, random weird stuff into this novel and stir and see what you see what uh you, you get. Um, see what you get and then not really finish it or take it anywhere. Cause yeah, but we've seen like, that before too in yeah. novels. Yeah, it's just like one big long rambling setup to something. You're like, all right, now I'm invested. Where's yep. the story? <laughs> Yeah, and the world isn't as well fleshed out as it as often. You know, when he has these sort of rambling mistakes yeah, <laughs> going on, at least you get a really weird world that you get a lot more detail about. I'm, I, I'm, we get a lot of characters here. Yeah, you get a lot of uh, political maneuvering, but I don't get a good sense of what it's like to walk down the street. I mean, I, I think there are a couple scenes like that, and what we see there is kind of interesting, but not enough that. Uh, it would be it, – it's not like one of these ones where you could just sort of live in that novel and sort of mine it for more mm-hmm. awesomeness because there's some like that that just amazing, right? Well, like what? Well, well, like for for the benefit of the listeners who may not have listened to all our episodes, and they should, mm. but – Well, I, I, I keep going back to Dr. Futurity. I mean yeah. that, that, that thing has – it has – so much going on just in the, in that future world where their their society is bonkers, right? Where they believe that that uh, if you get damaged at all, you should just reset and <laughs> kill yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's amazing. And then having the time travel built in and bouncing back and forth. Oh, yeah, let's go to 16th century California. Having a future in which the doctor time travels into the future and he has of valuable and valueless skills, right? He has the only valuable skill because he's a doctor. He can heal people. Nobody's a doctor anymore. And also nobody wants to be healed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> only Philip Gennick could come up with something that bonkers. Yeah, it's kind of great when his um, his characters are kind of the, the smaller people. Like this one, because it's the president, I yeah. always get more bored when it's like someone with so much power and so much to lose. I'm kind of like... I like his stories about when it's more on the repairman or the the doctor or the detective. Mm-hmm. Well, there was um one we had recently that, yeah, it was it wasn't from it was ah oh, semi opera. Yeah, they're all blending together. I know. That's, <laughs> <laughs> they're all blending together. I mean, the man who japed. Uh, we're we're getting it from sort of a a middle class guy, right? Uh-huh. That's. That, I thought that one worked because it attacks um, it attacks the society in a way that allows us to really see what what what's going on there. And 
I think the plot there works a hell of a lot better. But what's the one that I'm thinking of that has, oh, it's so elusive. Uh, damn. I can't, I'm trying to recall what it is even about. Damn it. Um, okay. Vulcan's Hammer, that's, that one is, uh, about the two supercomputers, com- or maybe three supercomputers competing to take over the world. Right. Cosmic Puppets is the, is the two, uh, gods fighting each other yep. in, the, in, in, in the, yeah, that's a fun one. Soul 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 is the Soul Lottery is the fun one with the uh, yeah that's with the, bonkers with, too. Yeah, we, yeah, with the weird lot, lotteries and logic and yeah, getting getting jobs and offices and yeah, John Preston and yeah, that that's a good one. Um, let's see. Um, Eye in the Sky is the oh yeah, let's let's go through people's psych psychologically created worlds. Clean that house. Oh god, that house. That house so <laughs> yeah. squeezes the crap out of me. I don't get eaten by a house. Thank you very much. Yeah, that's uh, that uh, that's a uh, yeah, I mean those are golden books, I would say. Um compared to this one. But that isn't to say it's a piece of, complete piece of junk. I think it has interesting things. I just don't think Um I think there might have been some mention on the Philip K. Dick fans page about about Ray having taken credit for uh, maybe finishing it, but I think that might be he might have it's very oblique, but it might be that he wanted to farm this out to somebody else to finish it for him hmm. because it, I don't I don't imagine he would say yeah this is a great book because I don't think it is a, a very good book, um, but somehow they they all got published right I mean that's amazing yeah. And they're all entertaining in their own ways. Yeah. So now wait for la- yeah. This is this is it. Now wait this for last year. Best. Now wait for last year, which is about the it's about politics, right? We've got the uh, the the doctor who's the president's physician, and the physician uh, and the and the president, or is he Earth president? I think that's what he's called, right? He he is um he he's found a way to deal with the aliens in a way that I think is brilliant, right? So that world, to me, just gels where this one is like the fruit salad, all of the fruit <laughs> flows to the, to, the, to the bottom or something, you know? It's, it just didn't work at all. But, but you could see, like, he, he, he was attempting a trick, and it just sort of flopped. Yeah. And maybe a trick, like, in multiple different books, and he's just tried to put them together yeah, in a way yeah. that hasn't quite worked. Right, because this is because now Wave Past Year has alternate realities and the president and and, and medicine, you know, he's got he's got everything. You know, there's there's even there was even one little line in there that I thought, oh yeah, this ties it all together. Um somebody was wearing a wub fur coat. Really? Yeah. I missed that. And I was like Wub <laughs> That goes right back to the beginning, right? Wow. Yep, I, I, I found it. Uh, I found it because what's it say? Okay, from the crowd, a redheaded girl, very small, wearing dazzling wub fur lounging pajamas, <laughs> kind of fashionable with the girls on the do- golden door. Moments of bliss satellite came hurrying, right. gliding, and ducking toward him breathlessly. Mister Briskin. Right, and in that golden door satellite, they have all these the the girls advertise on the doors. Oh, oh, right? it's Sparky. Oh, reading that. Oh, yeah, that was Spark. That was that was how we get introduced to Sparky. 
Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, and they have all those the animations of the girls beckoning. Right, and, and, and then saying different things as you walk by. Yeah. To try and attract you. That was great. That's uh, that's almost like Minari, the movie Minari Report's ads, except mm-hmm. more explicit. Instead of trying to sell you uh, sunglasses or suits, it's trying to sell you uh, more salacious material. <laughs> so uh, what, what do you think the um, – so I didn't figure out who the girls were. I, I, I was wondering, are they Culls? Are they Jerry's? Are they – you know, who are they? Because we don't really see enough of that – how that space brothel works to, to say. But I, I wanted it to spend a lot more time there just because I thought it was so weird, starting with that ad saying, you know, Mr. American Businessman. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, does your doctor doctor think you're working too hard? <laughs> um, come up to my space, my golden door. The golden door. <laughs> and, and I and I kept thinking of the Statue of Liberty. Oh, really? The, the, That's the, because the uh, the uh, the poem on it. I lift my lamp. Aco- All right. The golden door. Right. I never thought of that. You're right. Let me, let me see if I can yeah, find Yeah, you know, that, oh, yeah. Oh, yep, the new, the, new, the new Colossus. Okay, I'll, I'm going to read the entire poem because it's short. Okay. Not like right. the brazen god of Greek fame with conquering limbs to stride from land to land. Here at our sea-washed sunset gates shall stand a mighty woman with a torch whose flame is the imprisoned lightning and her name, Mother of Exiles. From her beacon hand glows worldwide welcome. Her mild eyes command the air-bridged harbor that Twin Cities frame. Keep ancient lands, you storied pomp, cries she with silent lips. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless, tempest-tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. Right. Hmm. And that it, it does sort of tie into the, the theme that he's trying to do, right, of, of all these, you know, people who can't get jobs. Mm-hmm. That's why we're introduced to those two characters right at the beginning, right? Is the husband and wife. Right. Yeah, um, is yeah. that we're, it's supposed to be that we're, I mean, I, we're not supposed to, to, we're not supposed to empathize with the, the racist asshole doing his job who later on he starts worrying that he's going to be out of work because he has nobody to put into sleep anymore, right? Um, and or the his ex-wife or whatever who's the abortion therapist, uh, right? Not we're not supposed to empathize with those people. Yeah. We're supposed to empathize with the coals, I think. Yeah, we're just getting the coals, absolutely. But on the other hand, I don't think we get enough of them to, or maybe they just don't. It 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 doesn't work. So yeah, it's almost like if he had had another pass at this or had somebody else to go in there and fix it up for him it could have been a great book mm-hmm. i don't know i mean almost everything you know it gets you in the mood for some interesting thinking and i mean i i think the best part of the book is just when they they go they pass through the uh through the golden door to the uh the new world right and yeah. they're flying to the coast of uh, normandy uh, Normandy invasion, <laughs> and you know what? There's even a line in there about it would take how many D days to to get oh, yeah. all those calls through, right? right? Um, when they're flying over the I, I, and they're talking about what the people are like and describing their the 
the peak technology. Doesn't this tie back to, wasn't there a book we just did recently that had some troglodytic uh, human, ch- the ch- the chubs, the chubs? Was uh, wasn't that simulacra? It was simulacra? Was yeah. That what that was? Yeah, yeah. 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 Neanderthals. Yeah. yeah. So they had these sort of strivings, right? But they were sort of modest strivings. <laughs> and the, the, um, the peak, the peak world, I think if, if we had had, you know, one of these characters go to the peak world and get stuck there and have to live there and f- figure out his life, I think that that would have been a much better book. Yeah. Than and actually, do you guys know about um, this book by Terry Pratchett and Stephen Baxter called The Long Earth? I've not mm-hmm. read them, but I, I, I own one of them on my Kindle. I've heard about them. You already have those stepping stones to other worlds. Yeah, it basically I, is that it's about it's. It's kind of set up the same with all these parallel Earths and different times where you go through. Yeah, it's called a stepper instead of a scuttler. And have uh, you read them? I started the first one, but I had to leave it when I moved countries. I couldn't bring all my books, so I only oh. know the first, the setup. But um, yeah, there was like, I think the the main characters in there are kind of talking to like hominids or some kind of early man as well on different worlds. Mm. So it's like they've kind of expanded on that on the Kraken mm-hmm. space world wow well but it's I'm, like a read-along yeah. jesse uh-huh. well it sounds it sounds promising yeah I, it's a series not, now too i've not um i've not read much terry pratchett other than uh, a couple of short stories but i I've, I've been trying to sort of avoid his his comedic books is this a comedic book no it doesn't feel like terry pratchett at all actually yeah, yeah, yes, cool. yeah stephen baxter doesn't write comedy yeah. Mm, that sounds interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. look at that. Well, um, yeah, I would say I wasn't. I, it's not. This is his worst. It does not turn me off at all. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's a good way to put it. Because uh, despite it being clunky and malformed, <laughs> like like the brow ridges on a on oh, a peaking man, <laughs> a peak. Um, I I, I still enjoyed visiting his broken crazy world mm-hmm. yeah me too it's it, 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 it's a slight vacation from our own broken crazy world but in different and and non-realistic ways which i appreciate did you uh did you guys listen to the audiobook mm-hmm. yeah yeah, yeah I, I, I did this as working claims and doing my regular job this week yeah yeah, I I in, I enjoyed the narration. I too, I hadn't heard yeah, this guy yeah. before, but he he picked up on one of the characters, and I I think I tweeted it at you guys that uh, he made him sound like Ronald Reagan. <laughs> Did you guys notice that? There's one of these guys was sort of an older politician was sort of losing his memory, and his wife is helping him out with his his thinking, and I I can't remember which which character it was, but oh, yeah. I was like, oh yeah, it's the Ronald Reagan guy, because <laughs> oh, well, I'm. That that certainly seems like something we could study. Tired <laughs> now. That was uh, <laughs> Leon Turpin. The- yeah, it could be. Yeah. What was the uh, narrator's name? Do you? Um. Yeah, he was yeah, good. He, he was good. Um, he's not somebody I've seen before, but let me just see. Bring it up. Ten. Nope. Nope. <laughs> Doesn't come up. <laughs> uh, Eric Daw. Eric Daw, yes. Eric Daw. You know, he's, his name fa- sounds familiar and now, he, but I don't... This, and according to Amazon, this is the only science fiction 
story he's done. Yeah. He's done other books, but this is the only science fiction he's ever done. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, he, he's sort of tasked with a really crappy book uh, uh, for Philip K. Dick, but I think he, he could have uh, got work doing other ones based on this. It's very good. Yeah. Hmm. For so many characters. Yeah. Yeah. And having well, all different voices and rem- mm-hmm. <laughs> being able to switch between them so quickly. Mm-hmm. It was really easy to listen to. The women really get short shrift in this, this book. There's just a few jiggling boobs here and there, but <laughs> other than that, or, you know, the occasional wife. But other than that, I think it's, it's, uh, it's, it's one of his least womenly populated. Yeah, that's true, actually. There's almost n- no women at all, except for the whole space brothel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, yeah, they, this, this novel does not pass the Bechdel test. <laughs> no, it doesn't pass, pass any tests. No, <laughs> no but, <laughs> but it shows up. That's what it does. It shows up, which is, which is probably all that we really need to ask of it. This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com.